Welcome to the Expat Birth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to empowering expat families as they navigate pregnancy, birth, and postpartum abroad by sharing resources and stories. Are you ready? Let's get started. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and to serve families as a platform for sharing stories. Any information shared by the main host or special guests is not intended as medical advice. It is vital that you consult with a medical provider before making any medical decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Expat Birth Podcast. I'm Chandler, and I'm joined by Sarah Beth today, and we have a really exciting birth story from half from abroad, half from the States, (laughs) um, that we will be sharing during this crazy year of COVID. So I just wanted to let you guys know that um, Sarah Beth and her husband, Marcus, are some of our dearest friends and I was super thankful that they were willing to one be on the podcast but way back I guess almost a year ago now they were they stepped up and were basically our my first guinea pigs in the global birth coach and they um actually by through working through them came a lot of ideas as they helped me identify needs of families abroad. And so they were just, they've done a huge help and a huge encouragement to me. And I um, am super excited that Sarah Beth gets to hop on and share what their experience was being pregnant abroad and then having to make a sudden last minute decision to come back to the States in the era of COVID mm-hmm. and make all these last minute birth plan changes. So with that, I'm going to throw it over to Sarah Beth and let her introduce her family. Yeah. Hey Chandler. Um, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk today and uh, just share part of our journey. Uh, it's funny that you know, you say we were the guinea pigs. It feels like you were the one that kind of got the other end of that stick. Um, <laughs> dealing with our craziness, just walking through 2020. Uh, everybody had yes. so many changes. And so it was uh, what I would say is definitely an atypical experience walking through pregnancy. Um, if there yes. is a typical one, who knows? Right. <laughs> um, so like you said, I'm Sarah Beth. My husband is Marcus and we have a wonderful son. He is almost five months old. His name is Elias. And um, we are expats. We've been on that expat journey for almost three years now. And the majority of that time, we've been living in East Asia. And we found out we were pregnant about a year and a half into our expat journey. Yeah, and you guys were in the middle of a really tough season of just, I mean, first of all, you're, you're a year and a half in, so that's still like, you know, culture stress, culture transition. I mean, you've done a lot of the major transition, but still, I mean, it's pretty fresh. And also in the midst of a crazy intense season of language learning. For sure. <laughs> so walk me through what that was like just um, – dealing with pregnancy in the midst of, of that. Yeah. So, um, I can share a couple of things about that. Um, we even moved around a bit in East Asia in that time period. So even though our, our language is increasing and obviously our cultural knowledge, you know, it just takes a long time to get to know a new place, um, no matter what. So, Everything is kind of new and uh, throw a a pregnancy in there, which is a a wonderful, wonderful thing. But it just adds another factor. Um, Mm -hmm. A really, a really funny example, I guess, of um, our experience is we were having to make a run for our visa. And that was, I think it was literally days 
uh, after we found out we were pregnant, maybe like two days. Uh, oh, and yeah. we had to make a run for a visa to a nearby country uh, just because COVID was already causing complications um, and we needed to be sure we could stay on our current visa. So we popped out of the country and I was already starting to experience sickness and we were just hoping we could just get back super quickly um, and that I wouldn't be super sick the whole time. And so that, that was a crazy experience. Um, but yeah, that, that's just kind of a picture of like, okay, I'm an expat. I'm a, but I'm also walking through this new journey of being pregnant for the first time. And um, that was just kind of a glimpse of like, Oh, what, what are we doing? Who really knows? Yes. <laughs> crazy. Expat life. I love it. Yeah. So what was it like finding a doctor, finding just birth resources in your area? Um, Was that hard for you guys? Was it relatively easy through other expat contacts? Yeah. So um, a little bit about our family. We, Marcus and I are both, we we like to be prepared. Uh, That's just our personalities. So when we found out we were pregnant, we knew like, okay, we're going to, we're going to read things. We're probably going to take some kind of class. Um, so we were, I guess, compiling things as we were going to the best of our ability um, until we until we talked with you, which was a huge answer to our prayers because you're such a great resource to pull those things together because we certainly didn't know what we were doing. It was like you guys just I think you guys were doing way better than you thought you were. You were pretty much on your A. Oh, I don't know about that. But we were reading a lot, lots of blogs all the time. Um but I'd say the the most helpful thing like in our context was kind of looking around to other expats for sure to see mm-hmm. what their experience was and also just leaning into our local friends um mm-hmm. and asking what, what was your experience like? Uh, for example, my language tutor, um, she was a young mom and I was able to really lean on her for her experience, uh, giving birth, going to appointments, things like that. Uh, I was able to really glean a lot of knowledge from her. Um, so for us, we just sort of ask around and Um, we thankfully had an expat friend who had recently had a baby in our city. Um, so they just blazed a trail and we, we followed suit. (laughs) It was very, really, really helpful. Um, even down to like, okay, what did you do with this doctor? What's it like? And, um, our situation was we had a, a good hospital that we could go to and it had an international clinic attached to it. So that meant we could work with a consultant. Um, it was really a consultant type role that would help us with language. So the consultant could speak English, um, which is huge. huge. <laughs> so thankfully our language skills were developed enough to have decent conversation. We can get through life, but, when you talk about medical terminology, we yes. got nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that that was a really big help to have someone to work through. So that, that was a huge blessing to have that consultant connected to the clinic. Yeah, that's huge. And I know like we were just talking about before, before we started the episode. Um, <laughs> so about where exactly we um, like, obviously we were tracking with you guys the whole time and um, they actually, our time overseas overlapped. So um, we would be Skyping from um, our, our adopted country to theirs. And um, so I, um, I know that after we, you know, found out that you guys were pregnant, it was kind of around the same time that I was starting to have the idea of the global birth coach. And then I think, um, I think we established potentially around four months in as when I contacted you guys and were like, Hey, can you guys be my guinea pigs? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and you guys were very willing participants. Um, so 
I would like, it was a great learning experience for me. I think we had lots of really helpful conversations. Um, like you said, you guys were researchers. So you had, you came with a lot of like foundational knowledge that you're like, Hey, like you kind of knew where your gaps were and wanted to, to fill those, those holes in your knowledge. Um, you and Marcus both. Um, but just from your perspective, just having, um, being able to talk through those and bounce off ideas, like what was it like, even as my guinea pigs, and I'm sure I'm, there's lots of growing still to do on my part, but what was it like for you guys to have someone um, just to kind of bounce ideas off of and, and help um, as you navigated your pregnancy? Sure. Um, so overall we were, we were blessed with a very healthy pregnancy Um things, things went well. However, it was full of a lot of changes and a lot of shifting expectations, I guess is the best way to say it. Yes. Um, So kind of from the get go, like talking with you, Marcus and I both felt like this is a safe space and it's kind of stable in our lives. Um, when a lot of other things didn't feel super stable because it was 2020, right? Everybody felt unstable in 2020. Um, but it was just a safe space where we could ask those questions. Um, and I know, I know for Marcus, he said that he felt like, cause even at one point we talked with, with Marty, um, or I think they messaged mm-hmm. some, and that was, that was good for him just to be able to, um, hear y'all's perspective on some of the things that we were trying to work out, like how to do a birth plan or, what we need to include in that or how to um, like Marcus really wanted to be a really strong advocate for me throughout pregnancy Mm -hmm. and in birth. Um, So being able to ask those questions of you guys was really helpful. And and so there are two things that really stand out to me. Um, I remember saying to you very often that I felt like I didn't have the space to think about the quote, quote, normal pregnancy questions because of mm-hmm. because of all the strange days we were walking through. Um, and that, yeah. like I said, that was everybody in 2020. Um, just mm-hmm. COVID made it a strange world to live in. Um, yep. So when you're wondering every day if your visa is going to expire or not, it kind of crowds out your thinking about, well, what are we going to do for our birth plan or what, whatever the question was. Um, but yes. you gave a good space for us to ask those questions. And um, even when we didn't know what to ask, sometimes you would help us uh, anticipate those. So that was that was really helpful. Um, I, I recently was talking with Marcus about our, we were just kind of reflecting on our experience. And um, I shared with him, I kind of compared it to the, the, you know, the birth and pregnancy apps you can put on your phone. Um, mm-hmm. you put your due date in and it like, it gives you notifications like, Oh, you're this far along and your baby looks like a grape or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I felt like when those were like spot on with the time, like, Oh, this is what you expect at this appointment. I feel like working with you, your timeline was even more ahead of that. So it helped us tremendously because you would share things with us in anticipation of, uh, like our appointments and just knowing that was really helpful, especially um, when you're interacting with another culture and a, another language, because you aren't always sure what's going to happen or what's normal, especially for us never having walked through a pregnancy before. It was just really, really good to have that information beforehand. Yeah. And I will say, um, I remember Marcus just us talking about like, he was like, again, with the language, he's like, y'all's language was actually, I think, really good um, for the time that you had been there, especially. And he's just like, it helps me to have a little bit of understanding about what I'm going through to help me keep up with the conversation (laughs) of what's going on. And I think that's huge when you're trying to think in two different languages. I mean, I know you guys had, um, a consultant there, but you were also had points where you would talk, you know, with your doctor, um, hearing a lot of 
your second language, correct? Right. So I mentioned like it was a really good experience working with this um, like via the international clinic. But when we did let our language show a little bit, um, I think it became easier for them to just talk with us in our local language. And so they were more <laughs> comfortable, but we were like, oh, oh, no, <laughs> we've got we've yeah. to find well, our words. Um, so yes. Marcus, uh, I'll share a joke that he said a lot. <laughs> um, he told his language tutor he said, hey, man, I'm going to need you to, like, call me in the middle of the night and ask me random medical questions so <laughs> that I'm super tired, but I'm on my feet with what I need to be able to say. So that was his, that, I don't know if he did it, but that, that was his plan to, like, really sharpen that skill. <laughs> that's awesome. That's dedication as well. Giving it <laughs> Right, right. Love it. Well, um, is there anything else you would like to share about the first part of your pregnancy before we move to your huge last minute transition? <laughs> um, yeah. I, so I, I'm trying to think about, you know, just like I said, we've been trying to reflect on our experience. Um, so I'll, I'll share Marcus's thoughts first. Maybe that'll be helping than mine. Um, so yeah. some of the things that, that he said were maybe like distinctions of the health system in our culture. Um, mm -hmm. The testing or procedures that were expected to happen um, weren't necessarily things that we would have thought were normal, if that makes sense. Like I feel like when you're in another mm -hmm. culture, that's, that's a hard thing to anticipate. Um, so that was one way that it was really, really helpful to walk with you through what, what is quote, quote, normal to us as Americans. Um, mm. That was super helpful for us. Um, a really easy example of that is they did an ultrasound every single time we went to an appointment, which is not, to my knowledge, is not how it's done in America. Typically. No, not typically. Um, but very common for expats. I know my doctor wanted to do that as well in the Middle East. They, if they have it, they just want to use it. Sometimes. Right, right. So I, I mean, good, bad, whatever. It's, it's just that's happened. That happens, and it's and it's mm -hmm. different. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I think like another thing was the genetic testing that's done. Um, maybe it's assumed that you, kind of like a package. Like okay, this is what you do when you're pregnant um, and you come into this, mm -hmm. you come into this facility, not necessarily how it's done in America. Um, you may have, ha have to advocate for yourself, but you may have a little bit more options. Um, so mm -hmm. just, he, he made a, a point to say like that, that was different and we needed you kind of as a voice to, to help us with that. And, and you really helped us out in that area. Um, Something that was really helpful to me in that time being pregnant overseas is that you made a recommendation to ask my language tutor to talk through birth and pregnancy. Um, and I think we had talked about it, but we hadn't like said, okay, let's, let's study this. Like let's, let's kill two birds with one stone and let's put some of my fears yes. at ease or even some things to celebrate, you know, let's talk about those too. Right. Um, but also let's get some good language out of this. Um, and when I, when I yeah. talked with her, she gave me a full like 20 minute story of her birth experience and it was so helpful. Um, so that, that recommendation went like really far for us because it gave me language. It gave me just, just a good conversation with a local friend. Um, and it yes. also just gave me a glimpse into like what, what is normal, um, what's expected of mothers and fathers in this culture in this time period. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that was really, really a good experience just to to learn um, language and to learn cultural context for pregnancy and birth. Oh, I'm really glad that you find that helpful. That's one of my favorite tips because I feel like it just, it, like you said, it does so many things. It's not just 
gathering information. It's getting to know your culture better, getting to go deeper in a relationship that you already have or make new ones. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I love that that yeah, went well for great. you. Well, so one day I got a text mm-hmm. from you and you were like, things are changing <laughs> and things have been changing basically sure. the whole time, but walk us through kind of what the big bomb that kind of went off pretty late in your pregnancy. Yeah. For this. So like you said, things have been kind of changing. Um, and again, I, I just keep saying this, but 2020, what a weird year for everybody. Right. Um, but if you were living abroad, it could really change, you know, on a dime because you, um, living in another country, you're kind of at the mercy of like what, what the government's doing with your visa or, you know, whatever the, uh, stipulations are for the day. So we were sort of living, Mm -hmm. um, in that for a few months. Um, and at one point I remember you and I talking about like, and I think Marcus was in that conversation as well, just like, we don't know where we're going to be when we give birth. And it was as many as like four different (laughs) places that we were having to consider, um, like where we might have to go because of the way, you know, this place was shutting down or this place was closing its borders, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's the backdrop to our, our big decision. Um, we found out like our visa is expiring and it's very, very, very unlikely that we would be able to stay through and like with some kind of exception or um, we are coming up against like airline policies that say you can't fly after a certain point in your pregnancy. So we just had to make a decision mm-hmm. for, um, for what was best for our family to not be, um, giving birth on a plane or in in another place that we didn't necessarily know or know the language or um, have any kind of support at all. Um, So we were, we were just trying to make that decision. And at 29 or 30 weeks, um, well, I guess a couple weeks before that we made the decision, but at 29 or 30 weeks, we had to fly back to the States uh, because of the visa complications and COVID. Um, so that was kind mm-hmm. of the big turning point in our pregnancy journey. Um, and that what that meant for us was moving our, our care and getting established as a new patient and um, translating our medical records, and not to mention just adjusting to be in America again. Uh, good exactly. and bad. <laughs> That's big yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, and then trying to find transitional housing and packing up your whole yeah. house, basically. I mean, you guys went from, I mean, ever-changing, but still, like, relatively, you know, stable as far as housing situation to um, where, what city in the States are, because it's like, once you make a decision to come back to the States, there are multiple cities to right. think through. And then housing defined, and you did all of this in a matter of like, was it two it weeks? Was, two and I would weeks? say about about a month is when all of those things were coming okay, together. But okay. really, it was just you know you're also on the other side of the world, or you're at least time zones away, right? So some decisions right. you're just waiting for America to wake up so that you can talk to people. To it's the, <laughs> that's the worst, and we made it. You know, like I said. Overall, this pregnancy was healthy and wonderful, but it was very uh, challenging some weeks to deal with the uncertainties. <laughs> yes, and I will say you guys were champs. You 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 bared through it so well. Um, and I know, like, you once you had a place, you ha- you knew where you were going. You likely knew you knew what kind of birth you were wanting, so that mm-hmm. helped to narrow down your kind of decisions. So walk us through your trend. Like, I mean, I think you guys had a pretty positive experience as far as the transition goes. Um, 
what walk us through the latter part of your pregnancy and then you can just jump into your birth story if you yeah, want to. Yeah, sure. Um so I I did want to say like we were making making those plans and like I said at one point we were considering four different places <laughs> that we might be giving birth. Um but I just remember yeah. you saying, "Sarah Beth, we're going to make a plan and and this plan is going to work no matter where we are in the world. Um, and that gave me such confidence just to know like this, this plan is going to be about good things and about truth and not about circumstances. And so that, that was very, mm-hmm. um, I get that just kind of changed my perspective. So I was really grateful for that. Um, cause I don't even think we were, we knew how much was going to change <laughs> at that point. No. So, yeah. I think. You know, well, yeah. That, that was, that was really great. So I'm, I'm trying to give the backdrop of these circumstances. Um, so we transitioned to the States and like I said, we were translating our records and trying to get established um, as a new patient. And that was a, it, it was a smooth process. It just took some time. Um, mm. and we were, mm-hmm. we knew sort of what we wanted, um, and in our birth plan, but because this was our, our first pregnancy that we really didn't know what to expect in America either. Um, just to be honest. Yep. <laughs> and, um, so we made our decisions about where we wanted to be and, uh, finally got established with care and, we had a few other factors. I had some medical issues with my heart that influenced making our birth plan decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but really all of that worked out in time. Um, and you, you were great to walk me through that, just um, giving me a medical perspective on how labor might um, be influenced by other medical concerns or how a certain type of care carries out in the birth process. Um, so that, that was good for us too. Um, let's see. You want to, you want to talk about the birth story now? Is that where you'd like to go? Yeah. Like where, yeah, just segue into, cause I know, um, and I will say too, this is just a side note. Marcus was super involved and preparation Mm -hmm. for birth um as far as like like you said advocate but he was also um this is just a little random fact marcus was basically the um what's the word i'm trying to look for um like he was the reason that i created the partner in birth curriculum like based off of Mm -hmm. all his questions and like you know so he was a great influencer in that creative process so big thanks to marcus um, but I'm sure you'll hear about how involved he was during during the birth here in a few minutes. But yeah, so um, I think yeah. And if you don't have anything else to share pregnancy wise, then I'll just let you go and share your narrative for your birth story. And yeah, okay, we'll go from sure. Um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Marcus was um, my, our relationship. We've always been like partners like even when we were dating we we worked together so that just that's true today even more so and that played out in mm-hmm. in pregnancy and birth um he was just really supportive and and desired to be that way um he wanted to be a participant and um not just not just like being there but he wanted to be i guess proactive is the best way to say it um Yes. So uh, I'll share a few things that influenced our, our birth story before I sort of launch into the narrative. Um, so yeah. we talked about like that we were sort of making decisions in the air <laughs> as we transitioned to America. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other medical things going on. And we are also an hour away from the hospital that we chose. Um, and and it was a hospital system that we knew previously, but hadn't hadn't really been in in over a decade. Um, so of course, lots and lots of things had changed. So we're we are trying yes. to get to know it um, as best we could and anticipate it. 
So we had a pretty good experience with um, our OB that we got connected with. It was a, um, I don't know how you would say this, but you don't see the same one every time. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a large practice. practice, but that was beneficial because it was connected to the hospital system where we were giving birth. Um, so you would most likely have seen the person who delivers you. Um, mm-hmm. So we um, we saw a handful of different OBs and um, ultimately ended up with a seeing a midwife the most throughout the rest of our pregnancy. Um, and then let's see, I'm trying to think back through the timeline. It's crazy how it gets fuzzy. Oh <laughs> mm, um, yeah. So, so quickly. So quick. Um, yeah, just, we'll just fast forward to just a few weeks before our due date in November. Um, our baby had been measuring quote, quote, larger two weeks ahead, um, <laughs> so we were told um he was very he was a very healthy baby um but they they kept telling us like you got a you got a big boy in there like he's he's going to be you know ready for cheeseburgers when he comes out you know all these different things <laughs> yeah they love they love making a big yeah, deal about yeah so size. um which Marcus and I both were larger babies so we were kind of already anticipating that um, but mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? They, they were there giving us perspective. So we were grateful for it. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's what, that's what we paid the big The way that for. influenced our birth, um, was about, I guess a week and a half before he arrived. Um, they were, I don't, I don't know if concerned is too strong of a word, but they were paying a lot more attention to his size, um, he was, t- he was turned correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just a little concerned because of his size, which Chandler, you talked with us about how that that's common, um, in the type of practice we were in, like that, that comes up with, with larger babies. Um, so yes. we were able to talk with the midwife there and an OB and you about like, what, what does that mean? What could that um, due to the birth process and, and all of those things. So, um, they talked to us about like not wanting to do a C-section, but perhaps inducing me a week early, um, depending on how my next appointment went. And at that next appointment, they decided, um, to strongly recommend that I, I would be induced, um, a week, a week early. Mm -hmm. And just being honest, that was something that we really wrestled with because we wanted to avoid that. Um, and I, I think you'll probably remember this Chandler, like we really were, we're trying to figure out what we were comfortable with, um, because we wanted to do what was best and, you really do have to just, you know, le- honestly, just lean into the Holy Spirit and try to make a good decision. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because it it was kind of stressful to to hear a few different voices. Um, and yes. we had, I think you used this phrase with, with us, just we had decision v- fatigue. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So we ended up saying, okay, let's go ahead and schedule this. And I believe this was at the advice of our midwife because you can always cancel. You can always say, this isn't what we're Mm -hmm. going to do. Um, if you go into spontaneous labor. And so that was our, uh, prayerful plan for the next, (laughs) the next week. Um, so we literally did everything you could possibly do to, go into spontaneous labor. Like if you could Google it, we were trying it. (laughs) Um, Yes. And we were scheduled for an induction at 7 a.m. on a Wednesday, I believe. And I started having regular contractions at 1 a.m. Yeah, which was great. We were so encouraged by that. And so we actually 
arrived at the hospital at 6 a.m. Um, I think hindsight, we would have said, ah, oh, that's probably a little early. Like we could have labored a little longer at home. Mm-hmm. I think that's common, especially for your first labor, because you just don't know, like you don't have a concept of right. where you are in the labor. I think, you know, moms who've had multiple babies, they're like, oh, this is this point in my labor. I should probably go in. When it's your first, you're just kind of, I mean, I know I did the same thing. Like, it's just like, oh, well, maybe, right. maybe we should, <laughs> let's just, let's just go. And then you get there. Oh, right. I could have stayed at home and we, You know, we did, like, we had things in place at home. Like, we wanted to labor. We wanted it to be a peaceful process. And um, we had that set up. And so we did get that experience. But we also knew we are going to push ourselves into anxiety um, if we don't, if we don't go, if we <laughs> worry about the decision to go or not go. Um, so... Right. Like I said, we were an hour away. Um, so we knew. Yes. Right. So that knew, and it was also it. pouring. It was pouring rain. So we felt like With, yeah. for, for us in that moment, we felt like let's let's go on. And we arrived an hour before we were supposed to be induced, which um, which was encouraging to us in that moment. Um, yeah. So we expressed um sort of the the big pieces of our birth plan once we kind of got set up and we were in a it was termed a birth center it's called birth center at this hospital um Mm -hmm. hindsight it was more that in a name than it was in practice um yeah some like there were alternative options available to you um, for for labor if you chose them. Um, but, but, for example, they had a, the alternative birthing suites. So they had tubs, and it, it was just a different environment. But because it was COVID, those rooms were being used for COVID moms, Um so oh. I think they had maybe one available, but you would be among all the COVID, um, the mothers with COVID. And we thought, um, yeah, that's not really a risk um, we want to pick up today. <laughs> so, no, and, and we were no, fine no, no. with that. Like we knew that, um, we were, we were fine with where we were. Like we made the decision to be in that hospital system, Um, We were just, you know, learning as we go, right? So we were still able to express, like, some of the bigger pieces of our birth plan and share. And they identified, um, our care providers identified that we wanted some alternative things brought into our plan. So they said, hey, this is great. We're going to put you with a midwife um, because it aligns with where you guys are trying to be with your birth experience. And so we were encouraged by that. Um, and that, that was a good experience overall. Um, so, uh, the short version, I'm not doing a very good job of short version right now, but the short version (laughs) is that we we held off on, um, the induction meds until maybe, um, about 2 PM. Um, and Mm -hmm. just, we weren't really making a lot of progress. Um, and our, our kiddo had like, he had dropped, but he was, I guess it would be a quarter turn, um, a quarter turn from where he really needed to be for, for me to birth him Mm -hmm. in a, in a good way. (laughs) Um, Yes. So we spent most of the day doing several things, trying to get him to turn that last little bit. Um, but, but like I said, he had dropped and he was, he was pretty uh, decided in where he wanted to be. <laughs> so we were just trying to work with him and get him to, to turn. Um, I, I really enjoyed our time with our midwife, um, and, and our nurses. And that was a good experience as the day went on. Um, I, 
I think we were feeling kind of discouraged just with like not making progress. We made some, um, mm-hmm. but, but it was slow, but which slow. was okay. Like we were prepared for that. And I'll, I'll share in just a bit, I'll share a little bit of how we prepared uh, for our hearts and minds for that. Um, but there was this point yeah. where we were feeling kind of discouraged. And then there was a, a change in, um, care providers because the shifts change it which is always the worst it's the dreaded it was shift just change really rough <laughs> um I mean we were fine our needs yeah. were met but it was just it was just a hard like somebody pulled the e-brake it felt like with our emotions because <laughs> we were yeah. tired and we needed a dose of encouragement mm-hmm. and um a few of the care providers clearly had an agenda, um, not like manipulative, mm-hmm. but they, it seemed like they wanted the progress and they wanted the baby to be here by a certain time. Um, and that wasn't how mm-hmm. we wanted to walk through this process. So, um, mm-hmm. Chandler, you and I talked a lot about the, uh, cascade of interventions and that is, as true as anything I know, mm-hmm. um, because yep. I saw it and you I saw it coming to life moment, like, Oh, this is happening. Um, so mm-hmm. we had, um, let's see, what's the best way to frame this. We also like, we desired to not be induced and, um, we were trying to avoid an epidural, um, for, for a variety of reasons, that was just what we had chosen. Um, and mm-hmm. we ended up sometime in the afternoon, they had recommended pretty strongly that I have Pitocin. Um, so we asked just as much as you can scale it down. That's what we wanted. Um, so I, I don't even mm-hmm. remember. <laughs> we don't even remember Good what advocacy really was, but that, began in the afternoon. Um, and then, like I said, the shift change happened. And so then we're kind of like updating everybody on like, Oh, okay. Let me explain to you what we've already explained to these other people. (laughs) And, um, yes, my water hadn't broken and they were one, one doctor in particular was pretty dissatisfied with that and wanted to break my water. And so we had to that's probably the area we had to advocate the strongest uh, for ourselves to say, that's not what we want. Um, We're going to at least take an hour or two and reevaluate because we knew what doing that could lead to more things. Um, So, and thank Right. And also I just want to point out that that is a great tip. If you feel uncomfortable about Mm -hmm. making a decision, just say, can I have an hour? Can I have an hour to think it over? And it usually gives you the space, gets them out of the room, lets you really process without them like staring you down, right. making it feel right. uncomfortable. And I so think, that honestly, was awesome. I think it was Marcus. Um, I was I was pretty tired at that point, um, and so Marcus, yeah, really was able to step in and advocate. And it was because we had talked about that beforehand, and a lot of that's to your credit, Chandler, just giving mm-hmm. us the categories of things to talk about. Um, so that, that was a hard thing, but a good thing. Um, and then praise the Lord, my water broke all by itself. <laughs> no help needed. Yeah. Just right. avoid that um, altogether. And then sometime after that, Marcus and I made a decision. I think it was just before midnight to have an epidural done. Um, mostly because of fatigue. Um, I would say that was the biggest factor and yeah. I think Marcus was even texting with you is that right he was yeah so I mean I was trying not to like blow up his phone because I knew he was like super involved and it had been a long day but I remember him just texting me like she's thinking about it and I'm like look I know you talked about like you didn't want to do it but at some mm-hmm. point if she's reaching her wall and you guys just need real rest then it's not you know it's not a bad thing like you know the risk and benefits at this point, you know, do what's, right. do what's yeah. best and, for you and guys. And we really appreciated that. Um, 
just that you being that sounding board in that moment, um, because, you know, it's hard when you're in the process of something and, and you feel the weight of your fatigue and, uh, the other voices in the room, that kind of thing. Um, so we made the decision to have the epidural and we like, we knew that that was on the table. We just had our, we were holding on loosely to our plan, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm hmm. Which yeah, is also so smart we're not, in birth. We weren't like super against it. We just had a desire. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, going back to the, the interventions, it was totally like we talked about, like one thing leads to another, right? So I, uh, I had a little bit of a reaction mm-hmm. to the epidural. Um, I It was very itchy for a while. So that was unfortunate. <laughs> Um, so they had to give me Benadryl, Mm -hmm. which made me a little drowsy. So, you know, just these things kind of lead to each other, but none of that was severe. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, and then around, around 1am we were ready to push, um, and, and get, get our baby here. And he was born about an hour after that. We only had about an hour of, um, of pushing. So that was that was really exciting and thankfully the Benadryl had I had asked for a low dose I said if we got to do this let's do a low dose um and it did help it helped with the yes. itching, which was great um but anyway I was really thankful to be alert um for the for the process of pushing and getting our little boy here yes yeah um, that makes a big difference I'm trying to think the, I, I know a comment Marcus has made, um, he said that he really loved pregnancy, honestly, like he, he's a great come alongsider. If you know, Marcus, he's supportive. Like mm-hmm. if, if he's on your team, you have his support and he's going to take care of you. <laughs> um, yes. Right. Um, the, 100%. the birth process was I think that was less enjoyable for him. He said it was frustrating when he felt like the medical system was pushing a little bit of an agenda. Um, so I think that was his experience. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I would say mine was similar. Um, let's see. There was something else I was going to share. Um, we had some things in place that were important to us. Like we had a playlist going um because music's important to us we had uh, a list of scripture that was important to us because we wanted to read that um psalm 16 it's it's a psalm that i mean this is everywhere in the psalms right that says for his loving kindness is everlasting but Mm -hmm. psalm uh, i'm sorry 136 it says that over and over and over and that just became a mantra for me during labor um uh, just that his loving mm. kindness is everlasting, like at every single milepost of your life. And you can put that all throughout labor, like every, every check, every whatever, mm. um, Amen. it's, it's still there and it doesn't go anywhere. So we had some things in place that like you mm. said about our birth plan, this is true. No matter what, like we're going to hold these things in place. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's a little bit about yes. our birth story. Um, our little guy got here, and he was healthy, and I was healthy, and we had some frustrations, but we were we were just grateful to have walked through it and um, know next time, if the Lord blesses us with another kid, that we, we know a little bit more about the process and how to advocate for ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. In, in this context, I guess. Yeah. And I'll say like you guys, I think what helped you have, like, you're able to say, yes, we were frustrated, but we had an overall good experience is that you guys weren't letting things just happen to you. You weren't just like passively walking through your pregnancy and birth. You were very active and proactive. And I think that allowed you guys to, you know, have some control over, over what was happening. Um, and I, I, 
from what I've seen is that feeling of having some control, having some ownership, um, and just being very aware of what your Mm -hmm. options are allows you to feel more empowered and allows you to have like, it's, it's kind of like that dividing line of, yeah, we were frustrated, but had a good experience and it being perceived as maybe traumatic because looking back and like, if all these things happened and, you know, you didn't know what was coming and you weren't able to advocate for that extra hour and your water was, you know, like, you know, it could have been fine, but you know, all those different things or you weren't, you advocated for a low dose Benadryl so that you didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, you just, you were very proactive. And I think, um, I just love hearing that you're able to come out of that experience with a very positive, I mean, real world, like it's not just like all glowy (laughs) and rainbows and and butterflies and everything, but at the same time, it's an overall positive experience. And um, it, it felt, you know, like something that, you had a good foundation yeah, for so that I, makes me so happy like I said these were just desires that we had like we weren't we're trying not to assign value to like getting up and getting an epidural versus not or an induction versus not because it's not yes. that way um and everybody's birth story is different exactly um, and the Lord's goodness throughout mm-hmm. these process this process can look so many different ways so we um we're just trying to cling to like we've got to do what we feel like is best and best for our family and that's easier said than done Mm -hmm. but I do think we're trying to walk away um Mm -hmm. from our our first birth story learning some things for the next one yeah definitely well, speaking of moving to the future, so if you have anything postpartum you would like to share, feel free. But um, you can, I'll just let you step into You guys are, are moving on to really awesome things. Um, so if you just want to share a little bit of postpartum if you want, and then just move on to where your expat journey is, is leading you next. And then we'll close off with, um, I always like to close it with anything that you think is beneficial for people on the holding the rope on the other end to know like ways they can support families as they're walk through pregnancy and birth and postpartum and a crazy expat journey. Um, I'll end in that, but yeah, I'll just let you kind of round us out and, um, throw any last minute Um, thoughts in there. So again, I'll kind of divide this into my thoughts and Marcus's thoughts. He actually had a really, um, he had mm-hmm. a lot of things to say about the postpartum experience. Um, so one really awesome. large takeaway for me um, for postpartum time um, is that baby blues are certainly a real thing. Um, and um Mm-hmm. One of the best ways to combat that. I mean, you prep for, you prep for like meals to help yourself recover physically. And, you know, you do all these things to prepare your home to bring a baby home. Um, but one way I don't know if I prepared was um, spiritually. Like, how was I going to care for myself um, in, in postpartum mm-hmm. time? Um, and I've, I've shared that with a couple of friends since since then. Um, but there were things that I felt like I could have done, um, not in like a, Oh man, like beating myself up about this, but just to know, like, as I, as I go forward, I know for next time and to share with friends who walk through the postpartum process that you can do things that prepare you to be in a different kind of spiritual season. Um, like if I kind of mm. I shared with Marcus, I compared it to if you put like things around your home so you can grab a diaper in any room or be able to breastfeed in any room or a bottle, whatever, do the same thing with spirit, the spiritual aspect of postpartum, um, put scripture around your home, have music, like whatever it is that leads you to truthful places prep that because you mm. you need that um in in that time and and for me you do. I know everybody's experience is different but postpartum especially in those first few weeks was 
it was, it was a challenge, um, especially at night. You know, I think I messaged you at this. I was like, why does everything change when the sun goes down? I don't know, but it does. Yeah. Those, those nights feel so long. They feel like they're never going to end. And then somehow the sun comes up and it all just melts away. Like it's really crazy. It feels like it's going to be okay. For me, a big takeaway um, from postpartum time is like, just being um, proactive and being spiritually prepared for a different kind of season Um, while you're getting to know this tiny human in your life and your marriage is changing to have a new dynamic. And, you know, all these things happen at once, but you have this, this constant that is your spiritual life that you, you can put things in uh, truthful things in proximity to yourself. Um, And then for Marcus, Mm. um, I've written some things down here that he said. He said, just planning to make every allowance possible for your spouse, uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And he said to be ready to speak good things and read the word to her. Um, He uh, just really felt like he needed to be a gap filler. Um, he said, for example, yes, your wife is the energetic, positive kind of energy in the relationship, then be ready to assume some of that role or at least have other ways to to help fill that gap um, potentially in postpartum time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said same thing with like meal planning or, you know, whatever uh, the that spouse does that season is going to be altered um so anticipate like taking yeah. harder shifts because recovery is necessary or that was just really his heart coming out again I'm going to brag on him like he just wants to be a helper um yeah yeah he's <laughs> such like I think that's why him and Marty yeah. get along so well they're both that come alongside helper um, and in all things, but it definitely comes out in, in marriage and family life as well. And, and that's just such a huge takeaway, I think, that would make a big difference for a lot of families if that yeah. was just like an yeah. expectation I, I going into postpartum. Still is a great, great help in this time, you know, after the baby's been born. Um, but just anticipating some of those things, mm-hmm. like, this is really silly, but he, he bought me a really nice pair of um, headphones for me to be able to like do my quiet time, but the baby's crying and he's holding him. Um, it's just a really sweet thing, but you know, that, Aww, that can be fleshed out awesome. in a, a hundred thousand yeah. different ways. It's just knowing what is going to yes. work well for your family to thrive and survive <laughs> postpartum days. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then what was your, what was your last question? So, yeah, so this is, um, you're transitioning to new things. If you want to do a quick blurb about where your family's off to next, and then just close out with, um, any recommendations you have for those who are holding the rope, um, about how they can better support families navigating this experience abroad. Um, or like, or you could flip that and say, now that I've been through this experience specifically for those who are navigating abroad, like different ways I would support them. So um, Um, our family is, uh, we're still in the States. Uh, We're all just waiting out COVID, you know, we're just trying to figure out what the world is going to do. Yes. But our, our plans are being made. We are going to be transitioning to Europe. Um, Yeah. We are really, really excited for our next Next piece of our journey, we are moving to Sweden, um, and we are in the process of working on visa, all the fun paperwork, that kind of thing. Um, so I was actually just reading an article, yes, um, I believe last night, on what it's like to give birth in Sweden. Um, Which 
You're going to like one of That's the what top I'm places up, which in the world to get this birth, is so. It's just, you know, super interesting yeah. to hear and see, like, what, how different cultures do this part of life. Um, so, super interested in that for if, yes. if the Lord has us have another child one day. Um, but that's where we're headed. Um, so, completely different context than our previous situation. <laughs> Um, but yep. we're just ready to learn mm-hmm. and um, so that's where we're headed and um, as far as support like from a from from a perspective of being being the one who um, advocates for those people who are all over the world I would say um, think about something that is essential um in the process of of pregnancy and birth like if you're if you were going through that experience in america think about something that's essential to you um like let's let's talk about meal planning for example that's a really popular thing like a meal train Mm -hmm. after the parents bring the new baby home right if you remove that assumption Mm -hmm. that you would have that communicate that need to the new parents Mm -hmm. on um, who are living abroad because maybe they're not thinking about that or maybe they are but just need to talk about Mm -hmm. well how can I prepare to have like ready meals in my context I think where I may not have a huge like group of people right, surrounding yeah, me who can drop have, off you know, meals like, for two They weeks. may live somewhere where there's like one other expat <laughs> um, person in their city and, you know, everybody else is a local friend and it may not be part of the culture to like provide for that time immediately after the birth. So if you know that's a need for your yes. family, how can, how can they anticipate that? Um, and so I, I think just having a good conversation, mm-hmm. just being willing, um, not necessarily assuming that if I do this in America, I need to do it overseas, but just, just having a good conversation. Um, mm-hmm. From my perspective, I think um, as, as an expat, leaning on a network that loves you and speaks truth to you um, is a valuable thing in, especially in these like concentrated times of change, like Mm -hmm. pregnancy. Um, And then Marcus said something similar. Mm -hmm. He said, just asking uh, about stories and getting thoughts from other dads, um, whether they're expats or not. So I really think just having an avenue for conversation and, um, being sure mm-hmm. that it's, it's two way, you know, not, not making assumptions of each other, just being willing to talk it out um, and to work through like, well, how do I do this? I don't know, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about it together. <laughs> that that's really the, the thing that comes to mind the most, just being willing to have conversations and dialogue about it. Yeah. And I think I'll add to that. I think it's great when people from back home can mm-hmm. um, just be curious about what your experience is like. Um, because I think we all pretty much have a have a box that we think, you know, we know what pregnancy and birth is kind of like sure. in the States. I mean, there's a lot of nuance here, but generally we know what somebody's experience is like. And I think it just means a lot to expats and shows that you're thinking about them and care deeply when you're like, hey, I know what an experience looks like here. What is your experience looking like there? Like, what are your OB appointments or your midwife appointments like? Are you guys having to, you know, can you talk in English? Are you having to talk in your second language? Like, what are your um hardships or trials, you know, and then trying, like you said, like it may be, we're kind of isolated. We have a very small team. We don't necessarily have a ton of support postpartum and like trying to, um, maybe fill it like, Hey, how can we help troubleshoot with you guys or figure out a creative way to serve you to maybe meet a need 
right. that, you know, right. might have been easily met in the States, but might be a little harder there. I think, right. like you said, just that genuine interest, that connection, intentional right. questions, those are huge and can go yeah, a long way definitely um, a, to loving um, on an expat. A shift in our thinking. Um, I, I guess I can say American. I cannot really only speak to the good old Southern American culture that I know and grew up in. Um, it's a shift because yes. like we, we like to love tangibly so much, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but sending like mm-hmm. sending a box of like diapers and baby clothes and all that stuff, that's a good thing, but that's not always an easy thing. Um, so I think conversations like you're mm-hmm. recommending um, can really that can really not, not take the place of, but be just as helpful sometimes um, when you're sitting overseas and you really just need Mm -hmm. someone to talk to you about what you're experiencing. Um, That can go even further sometimes than if you receive a box full of things. Um, And, and I think that's just a shift we have to make Mm. as, as people who send other people out um, that it, it doesn't always just need to be stuff that we can buy, but it can mm-hmm. be our words and other things uh, that offer support. Mm. Yeah. That's a good word. This has been great. Well, for this has been wonderful, Sarah Beth. I've, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on and sharing. Are there any last minute thoughts you'd like to throw out before? We no, wrap just, up and you know, see, we're see all you next we're all time. learning on this expat journey and um, wonderful resources like um, like you and all the resources you're developing um, exist out there. So um, I feel like if we just position ourselves to be learners, we can do this well together. So let's just let's just press into that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and this is why we love Sarah Beth and Marcus. Always oh, I don't have know about great that, little but... nuggets of <laughs> truth for you. Well, yeah. Well, we love you guys. And thank you so much. And guys, thank you so much for listening and joining us for another expat birth story. Um, hopefully we'll have another one coming to you guys in a few weeks. See you next time. You can find me online at theglobalbirthcoach.com. On social media, you can find me on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook at The Global Birth Coach. On The Global Birth Coach Facebook page, there is an affiliated closed group called The Virtual Village, and that's where I'm active most often. This group is designed to be a place where expat families can come together to encourage each other and share resources as they navigate pregnancy, birth, and postpartum abroad. Come and join us. We would love to have you there.